Well, Emily, it's the new year, and here we are in a brand new game. Wow, everything is so crisp and clean. Isn't it great, Josh? It's still got that new plastic smell and everything. Hey, what are you doing there? Well, I've been reading the manual that came with the cartridge. Oh, you don't need to do that. First of all, that's blasphemy. And second of all, we really do need to read this. This game is set up pretty differently. Oh yeah? Yeah. It says here that our stages are going to be broken up into three different acts now. So like, one stage will last all month, roughly one act per week? Yep. This seems complicated. All new games do, but then you get used to it. Well, I'm more of a learn-by-doing kind of player, so why don't we get into this and see how it works? Alright, alright. Let's start... January Zone, Act 1. January Zone? We can think of something cooler later. <clears throat> hey everybody, and welcome to the VGM Jukebox. I'm Emily. And I'm Josh. Each week we play tunes recommended by you, our patrons, and we also read your testimonials. And sometimes we're in a brand new game. Wow. So, I think this will make more sense as we do it but we can probably explain as we go through the episode a little bit to the patrons. Awesome. All right, well, let's kick off with some music. Oh, so welcome to the new year, everybody, and welcome to a whole bunch of new patrons we have. Happy New Year. Yay, Josh and I are raising our arms in victory, excitement. Bonsai. <laughs> exactly. All right, so our first track comes from our first new patron. This is Patron Chill Power. The game is Faxanadu, although that's not how you're supposed to say it, right? Isn't it Fazanadu or something like that? Oh. All right. I'm going to go with Faxanadu, mm. even though I'm pretty sure that's wrong. The track is Password and Death. The composer is Jun Chikuma, and this was for the NES. Let's have a listen. <laughs> this game when I was a kid, probably when it first came out, and I immediately knew it was something different. Everything about it has a unique feel among the NES games I've played. The story about a bunch of dwarves who have taken to worshipping a meteorite that ends up driving them insane and mutating them into monsters is weird and sad. 
The enemy designs are bizarre and often unsettling. The color palette is much more muted than most games on the system, which gives it a very distinct look. Even the writing is offbeat. When you die, which you do often, because this game is pretty hard, it tells you not to have negative thoughts, which I definitely haven't had any other game tell me in all the years since. Everything about the game combines to make it a mood piece, unlike anything else I've played on the NES, creating an atmosphere of pervasive despair, but with a glimmer of hope that the player and the people of this world are going to persevere and things are going to get better in the end. The music is a huge part of this feeling, and I think this track says it best. It plays both when you die in-game and on the password entry screen, which I think is fitting as it starts on a somber note but turns hopeful halfway through. I replay this game every few years and always enjoy rediscovering it, and this song has been in my head since I first heard it three decades ago. Enjoy. Hmm. Well, this is a really interesting description of a game. I didn't yeah, know Faxanadu was so weird. Or Fazanadu. I didn't either. Um, it makes me want to play it. And this I know. song is really good. I've heard this before. Yeah. And I thought I'd heard it on the Legacy Music Hour for sure. But I just scrolled through their episodes and I don't see anything matching Password and Death. So maybe it has alternate titles? Hmm. I'm not sure. Or maybe this came to me in a dream. I, wonder I don't know. <laughs> I, I was actually wondering if this is one of those cases where they used some existing uh, classical piece because so, like they wouldn't like if they just transcribed Bach or something they wouldn't put Bach as a composer you know back then right so but I, I mean I don't know what this is it could be modified from some sort of uh, Baroque chamber template or something like that yeah. or uh or something, but it sounds really well done, and I like the melody, and I like the little pauses. Yes. That you can you can read it when you're listening to the bass that something changed, and then it comes together. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it really uses negative space really well. Paxanadu. <clears throat> wow, and on the NES too. Weird. It's, it's cool. It seems like uh, an artist really got their vision out with this game, perhaps. Yeah, it does. Password and dying in-game. It's very interesting. So this is almost like that phenomenon of setting up title screen music and mm. then bringing it back later on in the game so it's has some kind of punch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It kind of hooks you into this melody and then brings it back later. Well, welcome to the party, Chill Power. Welcome. Thank you for sharing this track with us that's been in your head for three decades. Come on in. Uh, I hope you have some chill power to spare. Because <laughs> although we're pretty chill here, we could always chill even harder, I think. That's right. Yeah, if we're ever getting a little bit anxious, we'll just be like, chill power. <laughs> Give us some of your chill power, and they'll activate some kind of area of effect spell, and we'll all... <sighs> yeah. Relax back down. Well, have you been uh, relaxed lately? I have been very, very busy. Oh, no chill power. I, no, well, I mean... Well, maybe you have chill power, yes. but... 
Yeah. I'm gonna say I found a place of chill power, which is very exciting. I started reading a book. I have not sat down and read a book for a very long time. It's a book I've been meaning to read for a very long time. Um, it is Dune, the sci-fi classic, which I've never read. Oh, right. It's supposed and, to be a lot uh, of fun. It's so, it's so good. I, the other day I woke up and my first thought was, I'm awake, yes, I can start reading Dune again, which is one of the greatest feelings. Mm. So that's been my little oasis of chill in the midst of, you know, all this activity I'm going through right now, sorting through my belongings and donating things. But what about you? Are you chilling? Um, kinda. Yeah, I, uh, well, as a teacher, we get a uh, winter break, so my winter break is on. Although this is one of the first days I've really got to myself, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I was still grading last week. But this week, not so much. <laughs> so you have it to yourself, but, you know, meaning yourself and the patrons and the I'm, haunted jukebox. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I would come here anyways, that's the thing. Oh, I see. I'd yeah, go yeah, to the yeah. bar anyways. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to make get cat caught up on podcasts that I've done. Um, I've recorded a bunch of podcasts and haven't put them out, so I'm gonna try to edit like one at least per day and start putting them out. Wow. Now, when you say that, do you mean different podcasts or episodes? Different episodes. Oh, I have episodes from this show, but I also have. A whole other podcast, two whole other podcasts that I haven't edited a single episode for. One of them I only have one episode, but the other one's like got ten or something. Oh wow! Yeah. So you're gonna go through the backlog. Yeah, it's gonna be called sixty six versus sixty seven, and we're going to me and Ron are going to uh, try to figure out which year was better in music, nineteen sixty six or nineteen sixty seven. Nice. Well, I like this track, but maybe we should move on. I do have a, other things to talk about besides the change in format, but I've just been enjoying this tune. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on to our next track. This was recommended by Sparadin. The game is Undertale. The track Snowden Track. Oh, sorry, Snowden Town for the PC. Composed by Tony Fox. Toby Fox, excuse me. Let's take a listen.
Sperdin writes, <clears throat> Nothing reminds us of how much there is to appreciate and enjoy in life, quite like music that embodies the spirit of the season. And no VGM track captures that feeling stronger for me than Undertale's Snowden Town. Much has been said about how Undertale masterfully pulls your heart one way and then the next, and your first encounter with Snowden Town is no exception. Early on in the game, a creepily intense moment in a foreboding, silent forest melts away into a silly, hammy encounter that makes you smile from relief and unguarded enjoyment. From there, you enter Snowden Town, a happy little hamlet locked in what appears to be an eternal holiday season. There will be hardship ahead, and perhaps not all will be in good cheer, but right here, right now, both in Snowden in the game and during the holidays in real life, let's take it all in. There's no need to be jaded or let the weight of the world get us down. Not today. Happy holidays, VGMJB crew. I'd like to presumptuously speak for all of your submitters here when I say you mean so much to us, and you always will. Hardicon. <laughs> Aww. That was so sweet. I really have to compliment your reading of that too, Josh. Oh, well, I messed up, but thank you. Oh, no, I just felt like during the really inspirational part, you got like really inspirational and you were raising your, your hand and I was just imagining you had a glass and you were raising it Maybe to the I season did. to the bar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I a wouldn't flute. know. Yeah. <laughs> what was he holding in his hand? What was he toasting with? I forgot about Undertale. We gotta play this game. I know. Maybe I, I wanted to bring up again that this was a gift to us from Nathan99. Like last year. <laughs> yep. So getting a stream going is really tough, mm. and I think we can do it. The issue was just that if you were talking, Josh, you would not be able to hear my audio. And oh. I think I have a way around it, but it involves um, getting us set up on a different voice system, which mm. I've done on my end, but it's just, I feel like we've just been so busy and there's been so much going on lately that we just haven't had the time to like start a new project because we've been like fixing old projects. Yeah. That's what it feels like. So I'm hoping that maybe next year, maybe while we're still in the throes of the sort of holiday mood, that maybe we'll get to, to start playing this. Yeah. Um, you know, wait, am I allowed to play it before you play it? Uh, we still have to link our accounts oh, okay. so that we can both play it. Well, that's what I was going to say. You know, it's like we've we've just been delaying and delaying and delaying. Maybe we should just play it separately and talk about it or I don't really know. Hmm. I mean, I really felt like I really wanted us to do it together. But at this point, you know, it needs to get played. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, this is a not a great segue, but I'll try. You know, we're talking about giving and getting mm -hmm. and holidays mm -hmm. and seasons and um this is mostly unrelated to that but i do feel like i've been gifted with a great gift recently from a podcast which is the um pixel tunes radio interview of john baker 
Nice. Have you heard this thing? I have not gotten around to it, but I'm psyched. It's it's pretty nuts. I mean, yeah. It's it's just kind of weird that like I I think especially with VGM because it's like a rediscovery process, it's it feels like the further away we get from that time period, the closer we're actually getting to it. Because it's like all of a sudden Manami Matsume is putting out an album. All yeah, of a sudden she is. um some of these guys Kudokazu are... Kudokazu Tanaka just put out an album, too. And didn't he go on tour or something like that? Uh, m- maybe? I'm not sure. I know, uh, was it Yuzo Koshiro who oh, was yeah. doing... Oh, yeah. Yuzo Koshiro was on tour. Yeah, we yeah, had yeah. this explosion of, you know, people digging into the composers of VGM, and now all of a sudden they're putting out all these projects that they've probably always wanted to do. Yeah. But now there's like a cultural heft behind them that is like, yes, please give us that. And uh, John Baker was my favorite video game composer before I even really thought about what it meant to be a video game composer. Or maybe he's made the first one that made me think, well, that'd be interesting to have his job and be like a musician creating something, you know, new or something like that. And mm-hmm. um so anyways, that interview is insane. I will say almost everything Mike says is wrong. Oh, really? He calls Funkotron Funkotron. Funkotron. Mike, I don't know if you're listening to this. It's Funkotron. Also, random mode is the preferred method. That's right. Six be- mode is harder. Oh, it is? Mixed mode. It is, oh, yeah. right, right, right. Well, um, anyways, and he, admittedly, he said he wasn't like a hardcore uh, Toe Jam and Earl fan, and he likes fixed mode and uh, calls things. He, and he likes the second game more than the first game. Also incorrect. But um, <laughs> other than those things, uh, the the interview is fascinating, and you learn something, a lot of interesting things about. Uh, John Baker and his composing process, just how amazing he was and still is as a composer. And also a crazy factoid, which is that according to John Baker, through the method that he used to make the music, it would have sounded better if you used the antenna connection with your Genesis. Yeah. You mean the coaxial cable? Yeah. Hmm. Because um, there's he he describes there being some aliasing that adds noise if mm-hmm. you're just listening direct, but because the coaxial connection is already kind of like tuned to uh, soften up noise, uh... it will soften up the noise and also like boost the bass or something in the. See, that's you know that's just. That's just like how with um, playing retro games on modern TVs, if you have the proper setup and you see every single pixel very clearly, the games were not designed thinking that you'd be able to see the pixels very clearly. They were designed for CRT TVs, which blurred everything. Yeah. So that's up for debate, which you think is actually, quote unquote, you know, subjectively better. Uh, 
So that's interesting. That's interesting. I never thought about that in terms of, well, we kind of have talked about that. We touched on that once. We discussed whether or not the composers took into account the speakers that the music would be playing through on TVs if they composed it to sound great and then it just kind of got, you know, crunched up by the medium it was being played through or if they took into account the limitations of what hardware people probably had at that time. Yeah. So John Baker was doing that. Well, that answers our question. Yeah. At least in one case. Just just to double back on that for a second, I don't think he's talking about all Genesis music. He was talking yeah, about his. the way he, uh, his and some other... Um, I, I forgot it's a certain program that they used and uh, right. it aliased the sound in a certain way that made a little bit of uh, noise or something, you know, like a buzz. Right. Yeah, but so he was taking that into account. Oh, how fascinating. I can't wait to listen. I'm so, I'm feeling the excitement for that in the way that I felt for Pixel Tune, Pixel Tune Radio's uh, composer focus on Matt Furness, where they interviewed him. Oh, right. Which was spectacular. So, Matt Furness. They do a lot of great work over there. Matt Furness is great, and listening to that was great too, but John Baker is like. A legend from my childhood mm-hmm. you know it's it's crazy to be getting that now yeah it's like we live in a world where the new things always have hype but then also you know some of the older things gain hype i, I guess it's not just vgm like some people right but you're right we are we are kind of curving back upon ourselves <clears throat> yeah as adults revisiting the past and really trying to put the work into digging out these things because we didn't have to do that we could just be like oh yeah that music was good we'll play the music but the fact that people are trying to dig up the composers how they compose things yeah do you think if um people like knew how big vgm would get which i know it's not huge or anything but just knowing that people would care in the future do you think that games would have been marketed differently back then like like you'd get Manami Matsume on the Mega Man commercial or something like that. Right. Oh, how interesting. Do I think people cared? Well, I will say that I don't think anybody thought that there would be symphonic concerts and tours of video game music for sure. Oh, no. Um, Yeah, I'm saying if they did know that, that they would have marketed and kind of promoted their artists, their music artists differently back then. Right, right. Like, Toji and Earl 2 and returning for the soundtrack, John Baker. <laughs> yeah. That was that whoosh was like his name going across the screen in block letters or something. Yeah. And like on the side of the Street Fighter 2 cabinet, it's Yoko Shimamura standing there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what if, <laughs> and then it would be like on the cabinet, it would say in huge letters, Yoko Shimamura's. And yeah. then like Street Fighter 2 in like little letters. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. I wonder. I mean, obviously they didn't think so, uh, but they thought that competition was fierce enough that they wanted their composers to go by aliases in a lot of cases so they wouldn't be scooped by other companies. So they at least got the importance within their little insular bubble. Yeah, but they tried to... Yeah, I guess that's the that's a weird thing, is they knew the value, kind of, but they mm. didn't... Instead of using their value to market to the public, they used it, or they tried to, like, keep it a secret or something like that. Yeah, something like that. It's weird. Man. 
just wondering what it would be like to go back and have a conversation with these producers or directors and be like, you know what? Do you have any idea how many podcasts there will be in 2017 dealing with video game music? And they're going to say, what's a podcast? And we're going to say, all right, well, this is what a podcast is. But, you know, or, or walking up to Yuzo Koshiro and being like, you're going to be headlining concerts in the 2010s. <laughs> he'd, be, he'd be like, no, no. That'd All be right, a nice well, yeah. I know. Speaking of, uh, hmm, trying to work headlining into this. This is not my forte. I mean, how about you know the next act on the marquee? Oh, okay. Comes to us from Jay McDevitt. Who is another new patron? Woo! Hello. Welcome to the party. Everybody take your uh, your little uh, confetti poppers. Pop. This comes from the game KO Flying Squadron, composed by Tsukasa Tuada. This is a Sega CD game, and we're going to be listening to level one. Let's cue it up.
McDevitt says, Hello! Longtime user, first time patron. I'm recommending the level one music from KO Flying Squadron for the Sega CD for a few reasons. First and foremost, it's a great piece of VGM. It has the drive and energy to get you fired up for the shoot 'em up journey you are embarking upon as you begin the fabled level one. It begins with a quirky Japanese drum beat and quickly expands to create a sense of wonder and adventure. It's a bit off the wall, and so is the game. I can't think of many VGM tracks that suit their level better than this one. This holds true throughout the game as well. The second reason I'm recommending this track is because it is not legal for play on the Legacy Music Hour, being a CD-ROM title and all, and fans of old-school VGM might enjoy it. One of the things I love about this soundtrack is the way they upgraded CD sound, but still kept much of the synthy Sega Genesis feel. I'm not an expert, but it sounds like MIDI synth, which was more advanced than the Sega Genesis, but it was still synth and not sampled audio. When you combine this with the fact that the game is a sprite-based cut-em-up, with no full motion video except for the bizarro intro movie, it almost makes you think that this game could have been a regular Genesis game. Almost. Finally, and most importantly, it's one of my favorite soundtracks, and it's from one of my favorite games. One day, right after I got my driver's license and just wanted an excuse to drive around, I went to Toys R Us to look for cheap games. If it's not the Christmas season, that place is a ghost town, and they always had lots of clearance games. While digging through the clearance bin, I came across a copy of KO Flying Squadron, a game I'd never heard of. I've always been drawn to the strange slash bizarre slash quirky slash just downright weird things in life, so this title caught my eye. The cover had an anime-style girl in a bunny suit riding a dragon. This was before anime was a common sight in the US of A, which made it even a bit more odd to see. And the back of the box reads, Go ahead and laugh, funny boy, but get it all out now because we're talking shooter here. A blistering, mommy help me, I'm scared, Sega CD shooter. And when you've got the U.S. Navy, the Russian Army, the Seven Gods of Good Fortune, and an entire raccoon militia in your face, you'll be glad you're wearing a sexy tutu with fire engine red pumps. They'll help to distract Dr. Pond's bloodthirsty minions while you blast his furry buttocks into the stratosphere. Needless to say, I decided that it was worth taking a chance on this one for $6.50. And I'm glad I did, because it was love at first life. And besides, I thought I'd try to keep the dragon theme from last episode alive. Great work on your show so far. I found you through the Legacy Music Hour and can't thank you enough for making the mixtapes. I love your show, and you do a great job of keeping true to your LMH roots while at the same time differentiating yourself by using your own format and style. So thank you for the entertainment, and I look forward to your continuing success. Hey, uh, you're welcome. I'm glad that this episode is secretly a parade about us. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. (laughs) We do what we can. Yeah. Um, no, I'm I'm really glad to have, I you know this show once again is all about just carrying on LMH vibes for me. I remember really feeling that um, recording with you early on really mm. did give me that sort of methadone that I needed. That's what it's called, right? Methadone. Methadone. Okay, so here's my question though, Jay mm. McDevitt. He would have recommended this to the Legacy Music Hour, yes. which means he recommends things to the Legacy Music Hour, which means who is he? Hmm. Yeah. Do you think it's... Wh- what's the big one in Legacy the Music Hour? One. Yeah. Whose name I'm forgetting right now. But he burned all the- those CDs for uh, Brent and Rob. 
That is LMH Head Ed. No, sorry, not. Oh, LMH you're thinking head. of. Yes, 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 yes. Oh no. The big one. I know the one who made all the mixtapes that Brent listened to, or all the CDs that Brent listened to while they were off air, and then he kept coming back and saying, "This is a recommendation from that man." I can't remember that guy's name. We can think about it for a while. Yeah, it'll come. It'll come to me somewhere in the middle of like track six, probably. If but so. that's funny. There are many mysterious LMH patrons. LMH head Ed is kind of a mystery and very involved. Also, Big Mike. I think about Big Mike a lot because speaking of the mixtapes, user Big Mike was the one who came up with the idea. I think from looking back in the comments section, he seemed to be the one who suggested it first. Suggested what first? The idea of the mixtapes. Oh. This was before the hiatus. Um. Way before the hiatus, Big Mike wrote a comment and said, Hey, you know what would be great? Music-only renditions of these episodes. Mm. And then that idea got brought out uh, again when the show, when LMH was about to go on their hiatus, which we all thought was the end. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know but, what? Uh, I, I used to make my own mixtapes, kind of. Well, right, they yeah. Were, they weren't single files. They were, uh, you know, just literally little playlists right yes. um i so i wonder if i did that before he recommended it oh it's possible yeah it doesn't matter i'm not trying to be first or anything but it is important first for, for history you know historicity and all uh-huh it's really gonna bother me i'm really trying to find the name i can't hear it in my head over the sax solo this game sounds awesome to me. It it's does. right up my alley. Of being just a little sketchy, but also a shooting game. Right. And I like the uh, Sega-style copy on the back of the box. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and laugh, funny boy. I really like that uh, Jay McDevitt included that, you know? Oh, yeah. Actually typed it out for us so that we could read it. I mean, as a manual lover and a, a back-of-the-box lover, I loved being able to put myself in that time period by reading this. I also really like this tune a lot. I like that it uh, totally surprises you with where it goes. It's cool because it's a shuffly beat or whatever. It's cool when a shuffly beat like that also makes you feel like you're flying. Yeah. Yeah, this has that whatever. I don't know if we ever came up with a concise phrase for it, but that feeling of movement of air past you. Oh, right. I'm getting that. I'm, I feel like I'm flying through the clouds with this. We need to come up with a word for that somehow. We do, yeah. Maybe not clouds. I feel like I'm not that high up in the sky with this one. I feel like I'm close enough to the ground that I can really feel the speed I'm flying at, you know? Mm. But I'm above the trees. I don't have to avoid trees. I think it's literally called like a G-force or something like that. No. A G-force? That's the that's pressure the, of gravity. Yeah, that's the pressure. That's the pressure. That's not... Um, yeah. That's not... The wind. That's not, not like the altitude speed. or wind shear or something like that. It's got to be a word that conveys the qu quickly changing scenery. Yeah. The feel of air. Yeah. 
Um, Patrons, I wish you could see Josh. He's like closing his eyes and he's waving his arms and he's like trying to usher the I'm, word into I'm his blow- head. Well, I'm actually just blowing wind on my own face. I can like feel it right now. <laughs> I'm going to do it too, yeah. Close your eyes and just imagine <laughs> quickly changing scenery and doing that while doing this. Um, wind feel. Yep. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, what wind to call feel? It. Yeah. I like that. You know, I feel like we should, um, you know, feel should be an official VGMJB suffix. Yeah. That we apply to things. So we got ear feel, wind feel. Yeah. yeah. Wind feel. This track's got that good wind feel. Yeah. <laughs> Except this part, I also just want to mention. Part. Oh, what are you saying? There's a. Those Japanese parts are weird, though. They don't mm. give wind feel. No, they don't. Yeah. They bring you back down to earth for a second, for sure. Yeah. I do want to mention that, uh, first of all, you know, welcome to the party, Jay McDevitt. I think we said that already. He comes onto the scene with this really detailed, really long testimonial, and he actually wrote a little note at the bottom saying, feel free to cut this up as you will, because it's really long. I only took out one paragraph, which was just a paragraph kind of explaining the gameplay. And I only took that out because there was... That was the only thing that I felt could go. I loved everything about this testimonial so much, so I figured... You know, if patrons want to know about the game, they can investigate. But, like, I loved, I, I just loved this testimonial, so I wanted to take out the least amount I possibly could. Also, more perfectly composed prose. It's like, yep. are VGM fans th- the world's greatest writers or something? I don't know. <laughs> yes. Yep. Our teachers loved us. We're probably good at all this <laughs> stuff. Yeah, the irony being that perhaps there might have been teachers who thought that we spent all of our time playing video games and were wasting (laughs) our learning, and yet it produced these great writers. Yeah. Because we were reading all those NPC NPC conversations through and through. And all that ad copy. Yeah. All right. All right. Moving on. Our next song is recommended to us by Lewis. This is from Command and Conquer Red Alert. The track is Hell March, composed by Frank Klepaki for the PC. Let's take a listen. It's another new patron. Whee!
Lewis writes, Back when I was six years old, my father had a computer room upstairs with a huge tower, dodgy monitor, and this game, Red Alert. We played the original Command and Conquer endlessly, usually every Wednesday night when my mother would go out to pottery class. My dad would take the opportunity to look after us and combine that with his love of real-time strategies by making us go upstairs and draw the map. <laughs> the troops and give them all names, brother, even sister, would get involved in this and we'd slowly watch the allied forces push back the Soviet invaders. So for me, this track is a turn back to simpler days where pizza, cola, and ice cream were treats smuggled in by dad while we all sat upstairs in the computer room without a care in the world. Thanks dad and thanks VGM Jukebox. That <laughs> sounds so magical. He turned his children into weapons of the Allied forces. <laughs> yeah, he did. Into soldiers. Fueled by pizza, cola, and ice cream. I am, I am struck by the joy of this and the efficiency, too. Yeah. You know, that a parent was like, all right, I really love this game. How do I involve my kids? How do I give them jobs that they will enjoy? Step you know, how one. How do I make this an, an event? Step one, get my wife a hobby. Right. Pottery class. Step two, buy a bunch of pizza, colon, ice cream, secretly. Yep. Stash it away. What's step three? Step three is, uh, profit? No, get, profit. get the kids to draw the map. Yeah. <laughs> I hope they liked drawing the map. Yeah. That, I would have loved doing that. That would have been so cool. Actually, um... My friend Jeremy and I have plans in late January to play. Um, I got a, I got a gift for the holidays. Uh, I got a, a reproduction translated cart of Clock Tower for the Super Nintendo, which I am so excited about. So Jeremy and I are going to play that together, and I have tentative plans to suggest that the one who's not playing draws a map of the mansion so that later when tensions are high, the one who's backseat driving can be like, Go down to the third door. Go through that door. Dive under the bed. Yeah. So I'm hoping to kind of create this this event atmosphere that that Lewis is going for. I'm not sure if it's Lewis or Luis. Oh. Because he put in a pronunciation there. So I'm feeling like it might be Luis. But let us know, new patron. I don't... If it was Is, wouldn't it be E-E-S or something like that? Luis. I'm not really sure. Louis. We'll find out. I don't know. We'll find out. Sorry, um, sorry, friend. <laughs> yep. Um, you know what this track makes me think of, actually? Mm. When I go to my rehearsal with my band, a lot of times there's like flyers on the uh, bulletin board over there, mm -hmm. and it and the flyer for this would be professional quartet. Influenced by Korn and Led Zeppelin, seek vocalist. <laughs> yep. Yeah. There there's, on this. there's so much riffing going on. It's just riff, riff, riff. Uh, it's yeah. really good. They got a lot of ideas, but it's just funny that it there's never a, yeah never a melody, never a, a lyric. Probably goes really good with this game though. 
That's really funny that you're imagining that flyer, because in my world, my flyer would be like, quartet influenced by Korn, Metallica, etc. Needs nothing. <laughs> yeah. Because we're awesome. Yeah. Thanks for reading our flyer. <laughs> I really like this just, just the way it is. But I get what you're saying, though. I'm actually kind of curious when... So, first of all, this track has two different parts. It's got the chuggy, and then it's got the electronica. Oh, yeah. And I'm trying to uh, figure out in my mind when this actually played. Like, was this a long track that would just play over the battle sequences, and it would just sort of change as it would? Or are these two distinct modes of the game? Like, maybe the chugging is getting your army ready, and then the actual electronica is you know, the play out of the battle. I'm not really Here's sure. Here's how I see it, and I'm probably mm. totally wrong. I think of it as like a like an intro sequence, you know, and it's like um, it's showing you gameplay footage and maybe some other little cutscenes they put together. Sure. And then you get the marching and that's a cutscene. And then when it changes to the, the uh, electronic part, it's just the, uh, you know, menu screen or something. Ah, interesting. Maybe. Yeah, I definitely, with the marching and the boots, it makes me feel like there should be semi-transparent overlays of old propaganda footage in black and white of troops marching, 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 marching. Yeah. I really liked how the marching directly led into the beat of the dance track. That was very exciting to me. I would like to see this actually happen in real life, you know, or like... uh a super metal band they just put down their guitars and <laughs> like go to their keyboards in the middle of a song <laughs> yeah it could be like an okay go video it'll be one shot yeah it'll be people in fatigues marching playing their guitars then as they go they like slowly shed the fatigues and are suddenly in kind of like goth trance 80s wear yeah they have to give themselves a haircut during the marching part <laughs> yeah yeah, exactly. They can only do this performance once a year also. They have right. to grow their hair out. Right. <clears throat> Very cool. I I loved imagining this scene with all the kids involved. Oh yeah, yeah. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I've thought about like if I had a kid, what hobby of mine that I do, what I would I try to link the kid into so that we could share something together, you mm -hmm. know? And I wonder about that because I, I don't think my parents really did that. My parents let me and my brother kind of just like find our own way. And we did things together. We would go ice skating, we'd play board games and things like that. But it wasn't like, you know, my mom was a computer person and was like, Emily, we're going to build a computer together. Or my dad saying, Emily, we're going to build a piece of furniture together or something like that. So I wonder if I would wield that power, you know? Well, this this dad wielded his power masterfully. Yeah, for Thank the greater you, good. Yeah. And for all enjoyment. We salute you. Yeah, we do. All right. Well, let us march on into the next track, which comes to us from patron Joe. We've heard from Joe before. And uh, actually, when uh, The Messenger did his sort of uh, live stream of one of our episodes, he sort of commented on Joe, just Joe, like not Joe something. 
So I think I'm going to start calling Joe Just Joe, because I think that's funny. Okay. So patron Just Joe, the game is a dinosaur's tale. This was for the Sega Genesis slash Mega Drive. The composer is Kim Jensen, and the track is Cecilia's Apartment. Here we go. Patron Just Joe writes, I heard this on a YouTube compilation video someone made of what they considered to be the worst video game music. I like <laughs> it though. Joe's got good taste. I love this track. Worst video game music? Are they kidding? I see where they're coming from because it kind of sounds like a piano lesson. <laughs> and and kind of... And like... Like a little kid is on uh, the higher keys, just like jamming out while somebody practices their scales, you know? Yeah. But yeah, it sounds like perhaps uh, definitely Daryl's had you know one too many, one too many <laughs> tropical drinks a little bit, and he's like feeling his solo, but it's sort of s sliding all over the. Uh, it's not really holding to the measures or the beat. Or maybe uh, this is definitely Daryl. Uh, he teaches his kid like this uh, arpeggio, you know, and he's like trying to solo Aww. over it or something. Definitely Daryl has kids? Yeah, of course he has kids. Aww. I guess he would. I think now, he, does this kid like, love he always hate? wanted to be a father, you know, All right. ever since he was a kid. So how does this kid feel about... Oh, maybe this is like, uh... This is like the, uh... The situation with, um... We were just talking about with... With Lewis. Oh, yeah, Denise. exactly, yeah. Yeah, this is Lewis. definitely Daryl getting his kid involved in his gigs. Mm -hmm. uh, what I like about it is it is fascinating to hear something like this. Um, just because where else would you hear something like this other than in some low-budge video game, you know? Right, yeah. Well, it's not necessarily low budget. The uh, I think the license for a dinosaur's tail might have been might have cost something, but you know that's yeah, where they put yeah. their money instead. Yeah. So something I was thinking about earlier <clears throat> with the Undertale track, which I forgot to mention, 
but it's coming back in this track. Um, when I think of like atonal chords and you know playing notes that are right next to each other in a Western mindset, I think we usually use that to sort of emphasize a feeling of anxiety or wrongness in a bad way. There's like oh, bad right. connotations to that. Yeah. But I know for a fact, well, I say I know for a fact, I read somewhere and I don't remember where, so take it with a grain of salt, but I read that a lot of times in Japanese music, when singers sing high notes, they sing them flat on purpose because mm. it makes them sound cuter. Mm. So I think in, in Japanese music, uh, purposely creating atonalities conveys a sense of cuteness. And I feel like I'm seeing that now in other music. It was definitely there in the Undertale track. Mm. It's definitely here. And it does feel like innocent, you know, like there's a, a little child involved or a kid's spirit somehow. And I just, I just think that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. No, I, I am engaged in this track. I do feel yeah. like, like there is a, a childlike personality coming out of it. Mm. Especially with it's the so little uh, um, little solos they're doing. It like almost hurts a little bit. It's so cute. <laughs> it's engaging for some reason. Yeah. yeah. Well, I really like it. Well, hey, why don't we take this opportunity really quick? Yeah. To talk about the changes in our release schedule a little bit just to give patrons a heads up. Sure. So patrons, in an attempt to kind of uh, help with our workflow and distribute things differently, um, Josh and I are going to go to a new model that we're testing out. So this is the beta. And I think it'll work. But we're not going to be releasing a full episode every week like we used to. Every week is going to be a little bit different of a month. So the first week, like this week, is going to be a regular full episode with six tracks, six recommendations from patrons. Week two, act two, is going to be kind of like what we used to do with the dungeon. It's going to be a mini episode of two tracks, and they're going to be from Josh and myself. The third week is going to be an abbreviated recommendation episode, so it's going to have about four tracks in it, but those are also going to be patron recommendations. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth week is uh, a wild card. Open mic night. <laughs> yeah, I like that. For sure. Well, we have different things um, headed into the, those slots immediately. We yep. have uh, Capcom Girls is coming up yes. this month or next month. Yes. And then we have uh, somebody's going to do another dissertation that's going to yep. land on the fourth week. Any other dissertations that come up, um, we'll land them in the fourth week. And we also have a special mixtape lined up, um, but I'm not planning on always necessarily having a mixtape lined up for that right. fourth week. So it might be a blank week once in a while, or right. maybe Correct. most of the time, but just not for a little while because we've got these projects that are uh, <clears throat> almost done. Right, exactly. Uh, the Yeah, I think this is going to be great. It's going to give us a little bit more energy. You know, I used to feel like with you, uh, like I was saying earlier, like when we lost LMH, I really did feel like 
sitting here with you and the patrons really was like recapturing that spirit mm. and it made me so happy but the rate that we've been producing the episodes this past year has yeah. made it feel more like a rush you know like yeah. a rush to get it done so it's true it would be nice to sit back in that that pocket with you yeah and really enjoy yeah because you mentioned on an earlier episode how we remember tracks from the early days more poignantly oh yeah because i think we were just we were more relaxed i mean in the beginning we were doing them every other week yeah and then we started doing the dungeons so i think yeah i think the accelerated pace has just um i don't yeah. i personally like don't the, get to oh, go ahead we had all this extra energy back then just think about the fact that we were doing it every other week and we're like well let's do the dungeon you know yeah. and we like wanted to do that and then yeah if there was a song, we'd be like, yeah, let's do a duet, you know, yeah. and then we would have the time and effort to put it together. You know, now right. it's like, now it's like, let's get the thing mixed by Wednesday night so it can go up Thursday night and all this, you know, so. Right. And oh, crud, this thing just happened and I can't move it. And now we have to crunch for, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and I, I do feel that I personally just don't get to like sit back and um, like immerse myself in the tracks as much. Even with the mixtapes, I don't get to do that. When I started doing the LMH mixtapes, I used to listen, 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 listen to them yeah. very, very thoroughly. And even with them, you know, now I kind of feel like I just got to, I got to put it out. I got to get it going. Um, and I still enjoy it, but it's, you know, it's different because of the time crunch. So I think, I do think that the way we are going to be distributing things is going to help. Yeah, yeah. That. Well, it'll help with the energy level. And who knows, maybe uh, when you move to L.A. somehow, we'll have more time and energy to spend to right. do these. It might change again sometime, but uh, yeah. And if you are a Patreon or thinking of becoming a Patreon and are wondering if you're rightly interpreting this as less content, uh, yeah, you might be. You know, hopefully there's more diversity of content in the coming year, but, uh, you know, there will be most likely 100%, maybe 99% likelihood that there's less minutes of this show coming in the Correct. next year. Yeah. Yes. But, I mean, who knows? When we get over, when we get over all the hurdles that I'm going through, mm -hmm. I mean, that might, uh, it might change again. And hey, maybe, maybe we'll put out daily episodes. No, I'm kidding. I didn't say that. Yeah, we'll be discussing all the changes to the Patreon too yep. soon, like next week. Something, Something like, like that. that. Hey, well, speaking of Patreon. Yeah? Oh. Uh, yeah, we should probably give the messenger a special shout out on this episode. He stuck with us from the beginning of the year, and it's been a year of his being the main boss in Patreon, right? Yeah. Is this what you're yep. getting at? Yeah. And that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of money, I gotta say. So if you guys want to see how much money, check him out at pa patreon.com slash the VGM jukebox. It's amazing. And it is. So we want to, you know, just thank him again. Happy New Year. Thanks for the year with us, Messenger. You really helped fuel this show. Yeah, get us some upgrades and everything. And all of our Patreon patrons did, but yeah. uh, but the messenger has really has poured a lot of love into this this outfit, so Yeah. 
this next track is also going to rule. This is The Messenger recommending Mega Man 9, Flash in the Dark, composed by Ippo Yamada, Ryo Kawakami, Yu Shimoda, and Hiroki Isogai for the Wii, PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, mobile phones. Let's take a listen. Messenger, the main boss, drops the mic <laughs> yeah. and wordlessly leaves the stage. Oh my gosh, this track is so good. Yeah. So this track is, is linked to Patreon and is important because one of the Messenger's rewards at his level was that I would create a music box rendition of one of the songs he'd recommended to the show. So I was going through uh, all of his recommendations. I'd actually asked him if there was something specific he wanted, and he said he wasn't sure. So I offered the idea of just picking randomly from, well, not randomly, but picking from what he had uh, he had submitted. And he said, oh, that sounds cool. So found this track, and it, it worked. I tried a few different ones, just like noodling out the ideas on the music box. And, you know, some things are more suited than others. And when I finally got to this one, things started clicking and I just got into it. So at this point, the video is up of that, that rendition. And um, I just feel like so intimately acquainted, acquainted with the song at this point. And I just, I, I have to call it now, this is probably gonna be my, my winter track when we, when we reflect back on the season. But man, it just like, it moves. I appreciate any song that makes me, you know when you're sort of like bobbing along to a song in beat? I appreciate any song that makes me change up the way that I'm going with the rhythm because the melody itself takes a different rhythm that is so compelling that I have to follow it. Does that make any sense? Yeah. So what what were you doing when you had to change your uh, life rhythms or whatever? My life rhythms? Yeah. You mean what I was just describing? You were walking and you had to walk differently? Oh, no, just like if I'm listening to it now and I'm kind of bobbing my head in time, there are parts where... Instead of being on the like one, two, three, four, I have to be like ba da 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 da. Oh, I see. Oh, because the melody is so strong and with yes. the beat. I, I see what you're saying, yeah. Ba da 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 da. It's so good. Oh, yeah, I see. So yeah, good. I know what you're saying. It's like a. It's like a. That's kind of like what headbanging is, something, right? It's like having kind of these offbeat, hard accents. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Da, na, 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 na. Yeah, you want to play hand stairs or something like that? Yeah, do something. What a track. This track is so good. And sounds strangely seasonal 
and a little bit haunting on Music Box, I have to say. It really, uh, I think that this might be the first VGM track that I arranged for Music Box that doesn't immediately sound like, oh yeah, that's going to sound great on Music Box. You know what I mean? Mm. The other ones were kind of picked because they were, they sounded like they would fit the instrument. And this one, I was sort of like, what am I going to do with that bass line? So how are you going to release this? It's already out. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh. So I uh, I mentioned it on our Facebook page, and I put the video link in there. And I guess we'll put the link uh, on this blog as well. Awesome. I should go yeah. listen to it. So thanks to The Messenger for an excellent recommendation and for supporting our show so, so much. Yeah. And uh, giving me a lot of, lot of fun arranging this one. And it was also an excuse to wear my lab coat. And I always take an excuse to wear my lab coat <laughs> in the video. Thanks, The Messenger. And uh, also, thanks to our other track recommenders today, right? Yes. And they were Chill Power, Sparadin, Jay McDevitt, Lewis or Luis, Just Joe, and The Messenger. And also a supersonic special thanks to Electric Boogaloo for combing through our composer information as we slide that under his door into the press room. Oh, by so the that, way, uh, um, over the over one of the songs, we were wondering if Jay McDevitt might be Darren Deluxe. We figured that's out right, that yes. Name. But yes. I, I kind of think Darren Deluxe's name is probably Darren. Yeah, I would think so. So I don't know. Still a mystery. Let us know if you if you care to. Mr. Won't that McDevitt. be all right? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Won't it be so cool if someday mm. in the future, much like today, people are digging back into VGM composers and trying to figure out who they were from aliases? Yeah. What if, like, someday in the future, someone's trying to figure out who all of these listeners and users and patrons were mm. from their aliases? That's well, funny to me. I mean, the users are really a part of this. Uh, rediscovery process, the messenger in a big way, Darren Deluxe in his own big way, but yep. everybody who's recommended yep. a track um, is part of this rediscovery process and creating this cultural wave that's having ripples throughout the universe. So yeah, it's true. Thank you very much, everybody. And yeah, so everybody, get ready uh, when the archivists of the future come knocking down your door and they're like, "Hey, do you want to frontline a concert, a VGM?" Yeah. They'll what, be coming for you. When I get to see uh, Yumi Kinoshita play the bowl for reals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Everybody. Everybody who writes in and submits suggestions, keep them coming. Go to our website, thevgmjukebox.com, and click the Suggest a Track button, or go to submit.thevgmjukebox.com. Send your recommendations our way. You can also send us a recommendation or anything through... Email at insertcoin at the vgmjukebox.com. You can also send us uh, physical things at the VGM Jukebox, P.O. Box 26959, Los Angeles, California, 90026. Follow us on Twitter at VGMJB. And if you want to follow us individually, you can find Josh at Josh Adachi again, and you can find me at Keyglyph. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or any podcatcher, and please remember to rate and review us at the iTunes store. If you just rate us on the iTunes store, you're contributing to a positive future. 
That's true. You know what? By the way, there's one more person that I, or one more entity that I want to thank. Weirdly, Red Bull. Oh, yeah. Whoever's doing the marketing, uh, reach, reach out at Red Bull is uh, sponsoring a lot of this VGM rediscovery. And That's check, right. Yeah, check it out. It's called like Digging in the Carts. Digging in the Not Carts. Not only do they make that film, uh, but they also are like a part of putting these concerts on now, I believe. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, they're doing their, their round two of Digging in the Carts. Very exciting. Hey, also, another big thank you to patron JT. Yeah. There's going to be a flyer up at the end of the episode that you guys are going to want to check out again. But please get on board with what JT's doing. Mm -hmm. He's kind of setting up his own little corner of the bar, I think, mm -hmm. and just hand handling that situation. So super exciting. Join the group on Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash the VGM Jukebox. Check out the bulletin board, like we said. Uh, and if you want to be on the bulletin board for some kind of music or video game or podcast related project you've got going on, let us know and we'll, uh, we'll work with you to get something up there. All right. So we're done with, uh, act one of January zone. We did it. It was we nice. It. it was nice and grassy, just a little bit of snow on the top of the trees, but no mm. real hazards to speak of. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So uh, I think, uh. I think we have to go down this pipe here. Uh -oh. There doesn't seem to be anything else for us to do. So uh, well, I guess we'll go down this pipe and patrons will see you in a week wherever we end up. Some dungeon-like place, I imagine, right? Pr probably. I mean, I'm thinking I'm thinking there's going to be a lot of blue-tinted things. Mm. Hopefully there's no slippery ice down there. Oh, man. Anyways. I hadn't even thought of that. You All right, patrons. Well... As you know by now, you mean so much to us. And you always will. Hello, listeners, users, and patrons. This is JT, a.k.a. Jungle Toad, a.k.a. Jungle Plus any vegan food that starts with the letter T. I'm here with Hakama. Hello, Hakama. Hakama and I are proud to announce the BGM Karaoke Lounge. Are you tired of having to scrub back and rewind podcast episodes to hear your favorite BGM karaoke's again? Are you a BGM karaoke superstar who wishes there was a place where your karaoke's could be properly admired and adored? Well, look no further than the VGM Karaoke Lounge. Perfect. Hakama and I have created a SoundCloud page where we are hosting VGM Karaoke's from the VGM Jukebox and their dadcast, Legacy Music Hour. Come check us out at soundcloud.com slash VGM Karaoke Lounge. That's soundcloud.com slash VGM Karaoke Lounge. Right now, we're just getting started, but we're hoping to grow. But we need your support. If you've ever performed a VGM karaoke on the VGM Jukebox or the Legacy Music Hour and would like your performance to be archived in our new VGM Karaoke Lounge, please email the MP3 to me, along with any details you want uploaded with the track, such as track title, game, composer, lyrics, and episode you appeared on. 
Send your submissions to jungletoads at yahoo.com. That's jungletoads, plural, J-U-N-G-L-E-T-O-A-D-S at yahoo.com. For those of you who just want to listen to the SoundCloud, again, that's soundcloud.com slash VGM Karaoke Lounge. And if you want your MP3s to be there, email me with description and images to jungletoads at yahoo.com. Thank you for your creative contributions. Your audience awaits. Goodbye, everyone. Say goodnight, Hakuma. Bye-bye.